Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to episode 159 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop, and I'm here with my co-host, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop. And tonight, we are discussing what we're thankful for. Hi, Diami. Good evening, Mr. Wisniewski. <laughs> Good evening. How uh, how the heck are you? I'm doing all right. I am, uh, maybe this is uh, too much information, but I'm podcasting in my pajamas tonight. You know what? Um, I'm not, <laughs> uh, but I've already told myself I'm not showering tonight. So I will okay. quickly, when we're done, put them on my pajamas. And... Yeah, I, I took a shower when I got home from work and I could not bring myself to get dressed again. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, um, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't have to go out in public. Uh, that's what, that's why we record in our, uh, you know, our homes. Mm. I actually have <laughs> to walk outside to get into my shop though. Oh, oh I never, you know what? Yes, right. You used to have a door and you closed it yeah, off, Yeah, I right? closed it off years ago because really I mm-hmm. wanted my shop to be like the West Wing of the White House where you have to walk outside to get from the living quarters to the office. It's uh-huh. it's really the same kind of thing because I consider this like the White House of my woodworking world. Wow. <laughs> Either that or the door took up too much space. Yeah, that too. And I would – I don't have my shop in my garage and I would love to have a door into my garage. We don't, we don't park in it right now anyway, but – it would that access would be so much more. It would be very beneficial. Is it to us, attached? It is. And it's, you it's, don't have a door? No, built like that. It was. Wow, um, I've never. I I've mean, never heard of one that was actually built without a door. Like I, I literally yeah. closed the door off. Yeah, it was uh, built in the fifties. It was originally a single car garage. Um, in the seventies, they added a second bay on. So I actually have two eight foot doors separated by a six foot space between them. So it's actually a very large garage. But oh, stop! It, stop! <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Why is your shop in the corner of your basement? Because it's it's airy as hell out there. The doors are terrible. The the stones have a crack in them. It's it's and it's full of of family crap. I don't have a shed for my stuff for my my yard tools and and yeah. So I've got two lawnmowers and other stuff in there. So there there's a a long plan of getting a shed out in the backyard and getting all those things to put in there. And then we can start doing a little more to insulate that and, and, uh, weather seal it a little better. But as it is right now, there's like a screen door on the back that's open pretty much year round. And it's, you must um, have incredible upper body strength from shoveling all those excuses all day. <laughs> I, uh, I do, <laughs> I do, but no, it's, it's just, yeah. And I, I think, frankly, I'm 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 fine with it being in my basement. It's much more comfortable in here. Yeah, but, but okay, my shop is is like five times too small, and yours yes. is smaller than mine. Yes, it is. If I had if I had what you're describing is like a two and a half to three car garage. Yes, you couldn't it's six six hundred square feet. Oh my! I'm a, I'm a hundred and twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, suck. My, my shop down here is what twelve by thirteen, so I'm I'm right by you. I mean, I'm actually about what you have except you take all of your power tools out and that's what i have but but you're in such a small shop because because well it's in my basement i'm trying not to (laughs) i'm trying to bite my tongue and not get nasty with you as we're talking about what we're thankful (laughs) you're in a small shop because 
you don't use the big space. Not mm-hmm. I, what, what's wrong? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. It is. It's. I mean, call it excuses. It's a lot of work to get it to to be uh, better. And it took me like three years, four years to get my yeah. shop to the state where I could actually set stuff up in it. But it's what you do. Yeah. You, next time you talk to my wife, ask her about the crown molding in her bedroom. Because she reminded me tonight that 11 years ago I put a piece up and it's not done. My uh, my attainment center for my wife yeah. <laughs> that's over a year old. Yeah, uh-huh. I know what that's like. Okay, okay. There's lights in the kitchen that I haven't started because of the entertainment center. That's been going on for over a year too. Yeah. But anyway. I, anyway, let's <laughs> um, – so uh, what, what, what do you got working on in your shop? Um, in the shop, I'm making slow but steady progress on the growler cooler. Um, yes. Sooner or later, I'm going to get to the point where I actually have to stop and finish the design because I have not yet finished um, how to gasket it. When we were chatting in the last episode uh, with the guys from Against the Grain mm-hmm. or from the Against the Grain podcast, Justin was nice enough to recommend um, – I forget what he called them, like a ship's closure, like hatches for ships. Yeah, like and a boat I, hatch. Or boat whatever. hatch, yes. Thank yeah. you. That's what, that's what they're called. And I, I looked them up. And they're, they look to be very good. They're, they're cost effective. I could get one for like 30 bucks. Um, and they gasket and they lock and they're airtight and that's all wonderful, but they're not insulated. And mm. I want the top, the top of the growler, I want to be in the top. So the tops, it's not going to be a flat top. It's going to have sides on. It's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to make a, I'm literally going to make it as a box and cut the top off like you would a regular box. Yeah. So the top's going to have an, a lip of a few inches around the top of it. And that's all going to be jam-packed with insulation. So I need to be able to close off and gasket the top and the bottom against each other. And I don't want the polyisocyanurate insulation to just be exposed when you open it. So yeah. I need to cover that. But whatever I cover it with, I don't want that to be a thermal break. So that's that's the the point I still haven't done yet. But So how, how thick are your sides? Are, 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 I mean, how thick are the walls of your box? The, half inch, the actual framing. Half-inch half plywood. And I've actually – what I've been doing – what I've been doing is gluing strips of half – it's all made out of Baltic birch plywood. So mm-hmm. I've been gluing strips of Baltic birch around the edge of the half-inch pieces so that at the edge, they're a full inch thick because when I oh. dovetail them, I want it to look much thicker than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really only half-inch, but I've I've added a skirt around them to make them look like they're a full inch. And that's what I've been working on is over the weekend, I added the skirt to uh, what end up being the top and the bottom. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's that whole idea of uh, the, the lid having an internal lip that goes inside a, 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 a rabbit, you know, around the inside, the inside of the base. And you could presumably, have do that kind of thing you know where the the lid on the outside comes right down to the walls but on the inside it's it's cut away and then the walls on the inside so it locks in but then if you gasketed that if you left enough space between those two fingers but with a half inch you're not playing with much but you could presume you could put like a rubber gasket in there and just have that thing kind of go and squeak down it's not so much the gasketing what i think i'm going to do is put a gasket on on the on the half inch top edge as I go around. Oh, and just press it, press down on it. Yeah, and they'll they'll be latches, so it it keeps the top under compression when it's closed. Yeah. But so, th- go ahead. I guess the the real issue I'm having is when it's open, 
you'll have the copper cylinders that the growlers will fit in. Then you'll have this expanse of insulation. Then you'll have the wooden frame on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to cap the insulation with because I don't want the insulation to be covered, ideally with something that can resist a little condensation. But when I close it, I want that whatever's covering the, the top of the insulation on the bottom half and the bottom of the insulation on the top half, I want them to come together and gasket. And I was thinking maybe just covering them with some rubber that'll be held under compression, maybe running wood there. But then I thought that'd be a thermal sink. I'm not – that's what I have to really, really figure out in terms of uh, of the gasketing for that. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's – I'm just thinking like what kind of molding could you do to to like fill it with foam but then have it sealed off in some sort of eventual one design, like one piece that all gets kind of melted together and, and is the – I don't know. Or in the in by the end of this thing, is this going to be like a two man carry kind of situation? It's going to be heavy. Um, <laughs> at this you point, get, I just have like... a stack of wood that's going to be it, and the, the, I've got the the six sides are all cut to size, and I've got the strips of plywood that and I'm laminating to the edges to make them thicker, and I've got that in one big stack. And I picked it up. I was like, "Oh, this is heavy," um, yeah. and it's not yet filled with foam or liquid. <laughs> um, yeah, with with. Like what? Probably twenty pounds of beer. Could be, yeah. And it's it's Depending. big and awkward too. So it's the weight. Yeah, it's going to be heavy, but one guy could carry it. But with the handle centered, I think you're going to be in this awkward, like holding it away from your body so it doesn't bang into your mm. legs. I think. I don't know. Well, this is uh this is round one. This is the overly complicated one. I think once I build this one, I think I might make some that are just pocket screwed together for some friends of mine um, <laughs> as gifts. They were going to be Christmas gifts, and that got uh, that got ixnayed because I haven't finished the entertainment center. Um, oh, I was that was the other question: was how many projects do you do you have bouncing around? Because the entertainment center, I know right now, and, 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 um, <laughs> th- uh, if you count the the handle for the die grinder, which just needs a coat of finish on it, uh-huh. I'll say four. But if we count that as done, then it's only three. Because because this it's the second mic rack or uh, uh, headphone j- rack. Yeah, that's that's uh, I just started on that. <laughs> I thought it was just funny. Uh, I I don't know if it was an Instagram or something that just the other day you you went from talking about the the laminates for the like the square end cuts of your entertainment center slabs, and then it was. And I'm going to make another uh, <laughs> another headphone rack. This is the old one, and this is what it started like, and. You dug into that again. Well, it's a small little thing. It is. But I, it is. I did. Um, I wasn't. I was going to save that for uh, for another discussion. But oh, sorry. Well, as long as we're there, um, <laughs> I mi- I glued up two blanks. Whenever I glued them up, a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever they are, and it's it's a big piece of maple with a smaller piece of purple heart with a slightly bigger piece of walnut. Um, and that's what the the headphone rack that I've I've shown is and it's it's been incredibly reduced and carved and carved and carved and I've just kept carving until I like the design. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what I've come to realize. This was something that Charles Brock and I discussed when I talked to him and I I think that might have been on the podcast. It might have been when I've I've met him a couple times in person, I'm not sure. But um he was talking about how most of the students he has who do the power carving on the on the rockers and the chairs and stuff he teaches, most of them don't go far enough. It's not that they do it wrong, it's that they stop too soon. Hmm. Um, and I have absolutely seen that in when I see people do power carving, I am far from 
an excellent power carver. It's something I really enjoy and I'm trying to learn and practice with it. Um, but when I see people who are less experienced than I am, I'll say the biggest criticism I have for them is they don't go far enough. Um, there's a hesitance, hesitancy to bring it, uh, to, to, to bring the, the wood down with the power carver. And you're, you're afraid because you can do some da- damage. You have to be careful. I can understand the restraint. Um, Absolutely. But for the, for the first headphone jack, I just, I, I carve it. I put it away for a month or two and I take it out and I, I just reduce a whole lot more and I put it away for a couple months. And I just kept doing that until I got this really, what I think now is a svelte, very organic, kind of looks like the antennas on an alien's head just popping up, but they stick mm-hmm. out horizontally. Um, I like them. Uh, so that was the first one. And I made this second, I glued up the second blank at the same time and I haven't touched it. Um, so now the second blank is going to be a very different design. I have a little bit more of an idea about this one in starting. Um, cause that last one was going to be one piece, not two. When I, when I started carving it and it just looked wrong. So I cut the middle out and I just kept carving it. But this mm. one, I think is going to be more of a loop. So what I did with this one over the weekend is I brought it to the bandsaw and I did some very initial rough shaping of this big blank I have. And from here on, I really need to put it in my pattern maker's vice, which I can't reach because there's an entertainment center sitting in front of it. Ah, uh, the necessity of uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's this little project. You know, it's like the size of a softball. It's not particularly big. Um, so it's something I can work on in between other projects. And like, I was working over the weekend on the slabs and the antenna center and they're, they're big and massive and heavy. And I drag them on the shop, my bandsaw, I can still reach and use. So I just took it over and I was just futzing around on the bandsaw for a little bit, doing something enjoyable. Um, I, I wondered if it was a, while the glue dries kind of activity for you. It was like, a I'm, I can't do anything more productive on the entertainment center today, but I'm not ready to go in the house yet. So let me do something that I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear you. And, and all the while, uh, I got new headphones recently and I have a, a, like a extendable articulating mic stand and I just hang them on that and, <laughs> and it works just fine. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. It, to it, each their own. To each their own. Exactly. I come down here, I, I just pick them up, put them in my head and call it good. At any rate, that's all that is way more exciting than what I'm doing. Uh, which is putting finish on a door. And you know how fun finishing is? Hmm. Or isn't? We had discussed finishing this door, hadn't we? It, it, okay. <laughs> so Polyshade uh, has a six-hour cure time. Is that which what means on the label, or is that in it, practice in your house at your heat and humidity and things? That's what it really it, takes. It, it's what it reads on the label, and my that room is a little well. It's on the cool side. It's it's in the sixties, um, okay. but it get every bit of it. Um, it's but add into that the fact that um, I've uh, before I flipped it over, I think I put six coats on one side, and when you're doing that after work. Your best, you only can do one a day. Yeah, that's six days. Yeah. And then, you know, weekend and sporting activities and other, so it's not even every day that you get to it. Go ahead. With the, um, with little moldings around the panels and things, how Mm -hmm. long does it take you to put a coat on? Um, 30 to 40 minutes. Okay. Um, but that's what I was getting at. The, the finishing isn't always fun. 
because of how you know mad scientisty you look at it as you're you know, just trying to make sure there's no no you know you didn't miss a spot and and it's even and and there's no strokes and and it's leveling fine after you finish it and all this other stuff but this this is a a slightly bigger than three foot by seven foot door mm-hmm. um it's because it's, it's almost not an entertainment center size it's almost entertainment center size exactly um but it's the fact that how wide it is like your entertainment center isn't 30 inches wide no no they're and that, that the width makes it a big difference yeah and so when i'm finishing it's on it's laying on sawhorses and so when i'm working on the far end of it i'm leaning over i've i've got my the order down right so i don't wet the side that my legs are near just in case i bump into it but i'm i'm hunched over this thing addressing that far side and all the styles as they come across and it wrenches the hell out of my back why are you why are you reaching across to get to the far style? Don't you do the near style and then walk around the other side so that the far one is now the near one? No. So uh, my sawhorses have extensions on them that are – it's like they're five feet wide or so. Okay. And that extra space on the other side of the door is a bunch of trim for the doors and windows that I'm putting poly on at the same time. Ah. So, yeah, I don't I don't have access to the other side. Could I make a suggestion? Yeah, finish that shit and get it off there so I can walk around it. Well, there's that. I was just thinking, <laughs> when you start, the previous coat is dry, yes? Oh, yeah. So take all that trim and... Move it? Put, put, yeah, move, put it somewhere. Do the side mm-hmm. of the door that's near it. Put it back. Go around to the side of the door and then go back and do the trim. That's you actually... even really lay good. it like on the other side of the door if you're gentle about it. Well, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, the... Uh, I... Th- think i'll be done because that that's i'm just putting poly on um i and i think i only have one more coat to put on the trim because i'm only doing like three coats of that anyway i don't don't do the trim as much as i do the door the door and the the door and then the windows in the walls that i'm doing the frames of those at the same time um uh anyway i i'm i'm really close actually i hope to this weekend be putting flooring down which means i'm done with all this crap and i clear the entire room out you don't have um you don't have Sub-floor. flooring? No, subfloor's down. That's it. Oh. Yeah. So it's all done it's all been done in stages and it was like get this crap so I can start preparing it, knowing that I'm gonna have to move it out to put the floor in, but it was just a you know, opportunity of vehicles and, and time and you know, when I could get things easily. So I have the flooring. It's all actually in the room underneath the sawhorses. Okay. Um, acclimating, it, as it will. Yeah, it's fully acclimated. Uh, uh, unless you could better acclimate it by opening up all the boxes, because I didn't quite do that. But they're they've been in my house in that particular room for weeks. So yeah, they're they're fine. What type of floor? It is a uh, gray stained pre-finished oak flo- tongue and groove flooring. Okay. Does the I I, I I've, I've only ever installed. Um, unfinished flooring does mm-hmm. the pre-finished even need to acclimate the same way i don't know it it does say you know in the little pamphlet that it came with you know that it to to let it set for a minimum of five days or something like that so yes i mean to some degree okay it does um it's bare on one side it's not like it's you know it's it just has a top finish on it uh the and um i don't know and, and they're like wide planks they're like five inches wide Pieces. Do they have to get glued down? No, no, nailed down. Oh, okay. Well, yep, with the wide I'm, planks, they want you to glue. 
Yeah, um, it it just said nail them down. Okay, well that should be cool then. That would I think I would cry if I had to nail wood flooring down. If you had to glue it down. Or yeah, if I had to glue it down. Yeah. I've never glued it. I've only ever nailed it. Uh, but yeah. my dad has a wide plank floor, and uh, I know that his got glued down, but I wasn't yeah. there, so I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm gonna. I mean, do what I can with it. Um, I still have to actually get an underlayment. That's on my Black Friday shopping list. <laughs> I don't think they offer deals on them. Probably not. But you never know. <laughs> um, if you're puking at the cost of actual floor underlayment, thirty pound roofing felt will work work just fine. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I'm. I want to do something a little better. Maybe something that has a little bit more um, sound deadening. Maybe only because this is on a this is on a crawl space and it's actually fairly echoey in there right now. With all the walls insulated, the ceiling insulated to a hilt. I don't. I don't know why it's so echoey, but it is. Hmm. That'll be helped with furniture and stuff. But and that sounds like your son's problem, so I wouldn't worry about it. It sure does. <laughs> It, it, the the one speaker I have in there that plays music while I'm while I'm doing work, uh, it resonates fantastically. So maybe it's not a problem. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I'll let you I'll let you know. Maybe yeah, actually, if you looked at um, the thing I put up on Instagram under our, our account, that's that's the, the door. The, that's the door. So you get an idea of what that looks like. And what account would that be when you say our account, Sean? That would be the oh, what is it? MWA underscore podcast yes, on is. Instagram. I believe so. We both post. I bet people can tell who's posting what. <laughs> I don't think they can. <laughs> Come on, but, listeners! Uh, I dare you to tell. Call us out which one it is. Yeah, try to guess. If you get it wrong, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that's uh, that's where I am. I've been working on, and yeah, it's because because I've got a thing that takes many many hours to cure and. I'm a working father of active kids. Uh, it's been weeks. I have to finish the entertainment center. Yeah, I um, you when you when you said yeah, like the entertainment center, I went, oh yeah. What are you finishing that with? I don't know. Something purple. <sighs> Wait, so you're dyeing it though? I'm gonna dye it. Yeah, and then on top of the dye, I don't know if I'm just gonna go build up multiple coats of shellac or go with a wipe on poly. That's really. I don't think I'm gonna do something different than that. There's a teeny tiny teeny tiny chance. I do lacquer, but um, it will it will either be just more coats of clear shellac on top of the dyed shellac, or it'll be a wipe on poly over the dyed shellac. And how much of that can you do before you carry the pieces? Oh, it's going to have to be a hundred. I'm going to have to hundred percent pre finish it. Oh, okay, because so you're I like, can't finish it in the basement, and I can't assemble it in the garage. You're going to mask off all the joints. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the next gonna, step. Is oh, by the end of this weekend. By the end of this weekend, I need to um, I need to have all my and by this weekend we're recording the day before Thanksgiving, so that'll be the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I need to get the all the dominoes cut, and what I did over the last weekend um, was reach the point where I was ready to start doing dominoes. And what I can do is there's four pieces. One the bottom gets only dominoed at the top. The two middle ones get dominoed on the top and bottom, and the top one only gets dominoed at the bottom. Okay. I can domino one side of one piece in the shop, but then I need to drag it outside, turn it over, and drag it back in the shop. And then I need to drag it outside, put another one on top, and drag it back in so that I can only work on the top one of the stack because they're all stacked on top of each other. So right. um, I don't actually have to work outside for my next step. 
but I do have to be able to move them in and out and store them outside while I'm working. So I can't do it in the rain, but I can do it at night. <laughs> as, as long as nature, you know, allows. Yeah. Not I found too cold really... at night and not too wet at all. No, it's supposed to be dry. Um, and I yeah. was looking at lights. Um, I have have it where I can I don't have it where I can reach it but it's like it's like the cheap light company from um, from Home Depot commercial lighting or something like that mm-hmm. and it's this little stand and it folds up to be about one and a half to two times the diameter of a baseball bat okay and it's about three three and a half foot tall when it's all folded up and it uh, uh, tripod legs fold out of the bottom of it and it telescopes up to be about four and a half, maybe five foot at the top when it's all telescoped up. And oh. then the head opens up and there's two LED panels. And it's something like 2,000 lumens. It's I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's bright as hell. Um, and it's very huh. portable. It only plugs in. It doesn't have a battery. But like the Milwaukee ones that are really cool, they're like three and $400. Yeah, I heard those and, are awesome, but if they're that expensive. Exactly. They're, they're, they look... They look to be fantastic, but it, unless I'm a finished carpenter or you know a, a spackler going into a house who needs the right raking light to do the spackling on every single job, right? It's a no-brainer. Buy one of them. They're fit. they look really really nice. Um, but I could not justify the cost. They are way too expensive. And right. I'm doing it in my driveway. I don't need it to be cordless. Um, oh, so that's true. this thing was like sixty bucks, and it's fantastic. Um, but I've not seen them anymore. I saw it once, and I grabbed one, and I'd like to get a second one. Um, and it's just whatever off off brand at Home Depot. Yeah, I got that? it. I, I I bought it at Home Depot. Um, Utilitech is the is the brand. Sure. Um, it's gray and yellow. I don't know. I really like it. But so I've been looking at a bunch of different ones, and like Home Depot has the HDX floodlights for like job sites. Um, and the the really bright LED one. It's it's still it's like seventy eighty bucks and I, I've been like I don't, I don't want to spend that much just to get a light to to work on my entertainment center, right? So I was monkeying around on Amazon and I found some what are highly rated four thousand lumen LEDs, Jesus, that um that are twenty nine dollars each. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm gonna pick up two of them and mult, bolt and mount them like under the soffit outside the garage and they'll shine out into the driveway. Dang. Um, and wake the neighbors. Fuck the neighbors. Excuse me. <laughs> wow. They um, don't matter. It's no, quiet. That, um, all right. I don't make noise out there anymore. So if it's bright, uh, sue me. Yeah. They'll only wonder for a while what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but somehow we got on the on the tangent of of shop lights. Um, <laughs> I don't know. At any rate, um, what what is this? Uh, Sean Stone power carving a rocker thing. Well, um, Sean Stone of Stone and Sons Workshop. Mm-hmm. Stone and Sons. I think it's Stone, I believe Stone it and Sons is. Workshop. Um, he, it's his most recent post and video as of this recording. Um, he made a two by four rocking chair and then uh, power carved it. He had been over a friend's house and done a little bit of power carving and kind of got bit by the bug. And so he made this this chair and he power carved it and he talks about it being like an experiment and practice and power carving um and he had some criticism of it 
and I would sh- I would agree with the criticism he had, and I'll come back to my earlier point where <laughs> the issue that I think it was is he just didn't carve enough. Um, ah. Too much of it was left square, and to have some flowing organic components and it, it still be this very square rectilinear design, I think I think it just requires more more carving. Um, but it was a really cool uh, video to kind of like a novice getting into it and talking about his um, his experimenting with it and why he liked it and and how he did it and it was it was pretty cool. Um, one thing he did though is he glued up the chair before he started carving. All square. All square. I, I, I and, looked at just through his blog post. He's got great pictures of the process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks like I mean it's a hell of a real chunky. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost looks um, it almost looks medieval English to me in terms of its squareness. Yeah, um, and what you, and like the whole material. I mean, it's just like twelve two by fours. Yeah, yeah, is what he used, something like that. But I've never seen a chair power carved entirely after it was assembled. Like the seats, I've always seen seat blanks power carved before they're assembled, and he does a lot of power carving on the seat. So I don't know if that's just. Um, if it was an effect he was going for, or if it was just him being a novice, didn't think to carve it before he assembled it. Mm-hmm. Um, the seat came out really nice, so I don't think it was necessarily detrimental. Probably would have been easier without the arms in the way. Uh, but I'm a sucker for power carving, and this was a neat power carving video, and I, I enjoyed the fact that he kind of brought people on his journey into it and um, experimenting and just encouraging people to go out and do it, so I thought it was a good video. Yeah, no, it's um, I, I I didn't get to catch the video, but uh, I did, I did uh, click on the link and just peruse through the blog post real quick. I will make sure to watch the video, um, because it is I think it's funny because in I don't know if he I'm sh- in the video if he shows it, but there's he there's a picture of the the chunky chair, at, you know, in his yard mm-hmm. just sitting there, and then there's a couple down there. There's a Maloof rocker. He goes, this is the point. <laughs> like <laughs> this is the goal and you go whoo quite a stretch <laughs> you know but um but yeah that's um that's a very interesting prospect um i i won't say i'm uh i'm afraid of biting that or falling down that rabbit hole of power carving i really hate making that kind of mess so it's easy enough to stay away from for me but Seems like a cool idea. You know, Sean, I've found yeah. that in having a workshop in my garage, the mess doesn't concern me so much. <laughs> yeah, because it's not going to get in your, oh, I don't know, furnace or kid's PlayStation or you know, No, it does not get things. in those things. I uh-huh. track a little bit of sawdust in the house, as any good woodworker should. Mm-hmm. But no, I do not worry about getting it in my electronics. Although, I say that. I have, uh, I have the component uh, amplifier from my high school stereo. Okay. Um, I've always had component stereo assemblies until I became an adult and my wife didn't appreciate having big stereos in the house. Sure. Um, so I've got what's a pretty nice 20-year-old Sony amp in my garage, and that's what powers the speakers here. And mm-hmm. the top is like all little slats cut in the metal so that it can breathe and, and cool. And you look inside, it's all hollow. It's just, just for heat. And that is set up directly above my pattern maker's vice and my power carving station. Ooh. And it is just bathed in sawdust. Yeah. Um, I really need to like put a – I think I just need to put a furnace filter on top of it. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of time before something Yeah, it's, I'm going to destroy this thing. So I, I yeah. need to address that. But other than that, there's there's no real electronics in here. 
Yeah, well, that's good. I guess I could short out the sprinklers, but I don't really worry about that. <laughs> so, what are we talking about? We're talking about what we're thankful for, right? Yes, we are. So, we're doing this because it's Thanksgiving time, and it seems Seem like a easy thing to do. Seems topical. Because if we're nothing, we're topical. <laughs> 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 Modern Woodworkers Association, the topical woodworking podcast. Yeah, if there's one thing we strive for, it's staying topical. Not really, um, but I, I just it just came to mind the other day, uncreatively, and uh, it figured to be a, a, a nice thing to uh, to uh, to run down. You know, just kind of uh, reflect a little bit on on what we're thankful for, and you know, woodworking related mostly, um, but just in general. Um, one thing, and obviously I've been working on this edition for too long, um, but I, uh, I'm i really happy to have my HVAC done for that. Um, I Not completely. The, the registers in the floor are not done because the floor is not in, but that's that's fit and finish later. Like the, the brunt of it is done. And in, in the process, I updated the whole house system a bit. Oh, okay. Um. I added a section on the end where it was dead ended before, and I had takeoffs coming directly off the end of my trunk line, which is just bad for some reason. So I added that on, and, and it's quieter in the living room now when it kicks up. And I think it's because there's more air coming in back. That's I don't know. Maybe somehow it's it's I, I think working a little smoother. Okay. Because well, it's, there's mo- there's more air moving around. Improvements are always good. Yeah, and I think what it was is we our furnace was oversized slightly, not not like doubly too big, but it was a little bigger. And so adding 400 square feet, I don't know, and whatever multiplied by eight feet cubic feet, um, to to the air volume that needs to move around, um, I think it's help, helping it work a little bit. It I think should it because too much. I belong to a mechanical contractors trade association, as mm-hmm. most of our listeners do, I'm sure too. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've learned as a non-mechanical contractor attending monthly meetings for years is <laughs> that you are much better off having a slightly undersized than oversized unit. Really? Yeah. It has it has everything in the world to do with efficiency. So if your unit was slightly oversized and you've used some of that excess capacity, mm-hmm. it, should be, it should be working much more efficiently now. Excellent. Excellent. And I like the fact that I... Like I said, like our two, the boys' bedroom and our bedroom feed off the end of the trunk. And my house is not gigantic and it's all one floor, so it's not really that complicated. But um, when I started looking into it and going, literally, I have two takeoffs within six inches of the end of the line. When you get into, and maybe you've heard about this stuff, but like if you think of, of the, the flow of air and what it does, if it just has those to go into mm-hmm. at the end and it doesn't have anything to kind of back up against it's i think like suff- slightly suffering the rest of the house because of it because there's not a dead end at the end for it to like back pressure itself a little bit i don't know it's you know i talked to guys at work that are you know engineers actual <laughs> like hvac engineers and they're like, oh yeah, you can't, you know, you don't do that, you do that. But they, they didn't have like a hard reason why to do it. But so I added a few feet to the end of the, the trunk. But 
I will say, 1950s ductwork sucks compared to modern ductwork. Just saying. That was a pain in the ass. Mm. You know what but I think would probably even increase the efficiency more and, and use up the remaining excess capacity is if you insulated the a garage. garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, there, I actually, it, it, when we first moved in, I cut a line that used to feed the garage. Because you because, would heat in the garage. That would be well, too convenient and comfortable. <laughs> when the garage is one, I mean, literally 100% uninsulated. To to think of a portion of my heating or air conditioning going to that space seemed awfully wasteful. See, that's the difference between you and I is the solution I would find would be to insulate the garage instead of eliminate hmm. heating the space. For a cost of zero, <laughs> aside from some duct tape, I was able to close off a penetration, take a trunk back to the supply, and seal it off. So... And in a matter of an hour, that happened. Just saying. Hold on a second. (laughs) What? (laughs) Retail. No, wholesale. Wholesale. The installation of my walls only costs about 600 bucks in the shop. For your your entire shop? Yeah. In the walls. Multiply that by four? Okay. Or more? Boom. Wait. Done. Let's 600, do 625 square feet. But it's, okay, but uh, you wouldn't go to R40 like I did. No. So no. cut the, you know, cut the square foot cost in half. Yeah. Um but anyway, I think we spent Any- enough time talking about how you need to get your shop up in the garage. And I'm, yeah. I'm never going to let this go now that I know, Sean. Now that you know that my garage is that big and I don't use it. I may drive to – as much as you need to come here and help me with the spackling job that's going on for friggin' ever, um, <laughs> I may drive out to Ohio and just move your stuff into your garage. I'm going to wait till you go away for vacation or something and just – you're going to find what was in the basement is going to be in the garage and you get home. Oh, hell no. No. I, I like I like how nice it is down here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't have to worry about rust. It's fantastic. Don't worry about rust. Well, no, because you're insulated to insulated to the Air seal, tilt. my friend. Air seal. And condition the space. I know. I know. I know. Anyway. All right. So that's one thing I – and it's totally not woodworking related. But I am thankful that I got that that project. You know, every every time you do something big, there's one thing that you've never done before. At least that's how I operate. Uh, HVAC was something I've never touched before. And by was, touching it this time, you just you rerouted and added ductwork, right? You didn't touch the actual uh, furnace. Not the furnace. Not the furnace. No, no. So yeah, touching it was working on the ductwork, adding two new lines, uh, one new return line, cutting into, and you know all that. All that is that. The the stress of when it was down. Thankful that it wasn't freezing that weekend because my house furnace the furnace was turned off for all day and into the next day. Because I had gaping holes in it when I was taking ductwork down and all that sort of stuff, but in the in, in the process, I cleaned the hell out of those ducts. Mm, they get dirty. They they weren't awful considering. Um, there was like plaster chunks though in the tail end of it. And I don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> you know when you, you, you I'm like what the hell? But um, but um, I've got one, two. The old pieces are five feet long. Those are big honking pieces. So I took three of those down. And then all the anyway, and they were all standing up at some point, and I cut holes in two of them to to put the new new connection lines in, and yeah. Anyway, 
So that's that's one thing for me. How about you? What do you think? Uh, well, I had I had the normal stuff about you know shops and family and whatnot. And mm-hmm. for anyone who's watching the show notes live as we record this, um, <laughs> you'll see that I changed what I was thankful for. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to say Rick Waters. Okay. Uh, for long time members of the woodworking community, you'll remember uh, Rick Waters from the Splintered Board podcast. Mm-hmm. And he had a second podcast too, that, whose name escapes me. Um, but I, the Splintered Board was the more established of the two. And Rick had a guest on whose name. I couldn't even begin to guess at. And let me backtrack. Throughout the podcast, Rick was talking about this Z table he was making. And he spent a lot of time talking about design. Um, and Rick's stuff was nice. I wouldn't say he was a, you know, a, a, a magnet of design, but his stuff was nice and he understood that design was important. And I think that was important to me to, to learn that lesson also. Um, and so we had this guest on and the guest talked about chairs. And I don't even remember what types of chairs the guest made, but he was talking about the design of chairs and they talked about the design of chairs in the context of the design of the Z table that Rick was working on. And um, this just went back and forth about, about design and about the importance of evolving design and how, you know, building in a series and repeatedly making a type of piece, not necessarily like in the example of the chair is not making the same chair over and over again, but making chair after chair after chair, you get better and more experienced, not just in making a chair in terms of its strength and need and comfort and things like that, but also in its design and its aesthetics. And at the time, I remember thinking, well, I'm not going to build a chair and <laughs> not being terribly moved by it. However, it was one of those things where while it didn't it didn't set in as – at the time, I didn't realize how important it was. Um, in hindsight, I have come to appreciate that that really uh, – it, it was the, the nexus for my personal fascination – with chairs and with design, specifically with chair design. Hmm. Um, and while as best I can recall, I, that that particular episode has to have been you know, 2010, 2011, that kind of time frame. So this was a mm-hmm. while ago. Uh, as best I can recall on that episode, they did not talk about sculpted pieces per se. Um it's absolutely been my fascination with chair design that has led me to sculpted design and down the road of power carving that I'm currently really enjoying. Um, so I see this as certainly not the nexus for me getting involved in woodworking because I was literally in my shop built, insulating my walls when I listened to this. This was I was only in the house a couple of years. And my, my shop space was not done when I was listening to, to Rick. Um, but – this it it absolutely had an impact on where my focus in woodworking went, and right now I'm really happy with where I am in terms of my focus and what I'm playing with in woodworking. And while 
this uh, this entertainment center is not necessarily a sculpted piece. It's a piece that I'm I'm enjoying the the playfulness of its design. Um, mm-hmm. And as listeners will know, in and around this piece, I'm still carving things. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that many or most of our listeners don't know Rick Waters, and I don't know that you can still download the splintered board anywhere. I was going to ask you if you had listened um, to it recently because no, he went off the air before we started. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I remember, I, I I listened to his early stuff, yeah, or maybe it wasn't his early stuff, but it seemed like a long time ago. Um, I think I met him. Was he at some of the early WIAs? Um, I I'm gonna say no, okay, because I was at WIAs before you. Yes, and I didn't. I never met him at a WIA, so okay. I don't think he ever was at WIAs. He was at. Now, I'm dating myself here too, but Wood Expo. Mm-hmm. Was Wood Expo was a component of the Boston Home Show, which was designed. It was a subsection of the Home Show, and the express purpose was to connect um, studio furniture makers with um, with interior designers. The theory being that interior designers would come to the Home Show, they'd see all these furniture guys, and they'd strike up a relationship. Um, I met Rick at Wood Expo and the event changed names and I'm sorry, I don't remember if Wood Expo was the original name or what it changed to and I don't remember what the other name was. It ran for, I think it ran for three years and the first year or two it was affiliated with Tommy McDonald and then he kind of stepped away from it. Okay. Um, he might not have actually, they might have just like been piggybacking on his name. I don't know how involved he actually was. But that was before he got picked up with PBS and all that, that I want stuff. to say he got picked up by PBS like during the three-year run of the show. Okay. Um, and so I went up there one – the last year they did it. I don't, the We had just started the MWA because um, the only meetup I've ever organized for the MWA outside of a woodwork in America was there in Boston. <laughs> hmm. Um and Rob Bowis was was displaying there. Um, Rusty, what's Rusty's last name? You know Rusty from WAAs. Um, nice guy from Jersey. Uh, blanking. Bur- Burwell, Burnwell. Oh, that you know something like that rings a bell. I do know who you're talking about. He uh, he was displaying there. He'd made this nice tansu chest and but they they stacked they were stacking tansu chests so he stacked them like stairs because the theme of the show was was um was was like a stool or steps or a ladder or something to that effect um morton was there with a with a neat step stool he made um and and anyway rob Bowers was nice enough to give me tickets to come in and i didn't have anything to display there i was just kind of there hanging out and and talking to these guys and this was the year that Rick and a bunch of guys and I and Rob and the cougars he brought um, <laughs> literally were all um, – he didn't quite bring them. They just showed up. But they were – without question, they were cougars. They arrived at like 2.30 in the morning, something like that. They'd come oh to Boston to see a psychic and then they found us. Um, oh, my god. But we were literally in the hotel bar until after 3 a.m. debating – the purposes of what Wood Expo was doing. Um, and I'm not sure how I got in that really long tangent about Wood Expo, but that's the one time I had the opportunity to meet Rick. 
uh, was at Wood Expo. Yeah. Um, and what what ended up happening to him? Do uh, we know? I think he just kind of burnt out in terms of of woodworking content. I don't know whether or not he still um he still po- he still does woodworking. I I still follow him on Twitter, and he's a he's a developer in the Greater Chicago area, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly posting about um, agile development, which as a you know, as a construction guy, it means absolutely nothing to me. Um, <laughs> but apparently, it's very, very important. Um, so he's not—he's not involved in the woodworking community anymore. I don't—I I hope he still makes things because why would you ever want to give that up? Um, right. And I'm not going to say that I've had a, a contentious relationship with him. I've been inspired by things he said, and I've gotten into hours-long arguments in the middle of the night in Boston with him. Um, but. It was certainly the uh, the nexus from the the design path that I've gone down, and um, and I'm thankful for that because I'm very pleased with the path I'm taking in terms of design. Oh, here, here. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. That's um. I I hope he I hope he hears this somehow. <laughs> if so, I ever actually post show notes, maybe I'll share them with him on Twitter. Right, that would be good. Um. Well, that's that's good. I, I, um, along along those lines, I um, I just I want to, you know, put out a, a here here for inspiring content in social media in general. Mm-hmm. That seems like a way big blanket statement, but <laughs> um, particularly, have you been, have you seen any of um, Duresta's Dream Shop build? That I has have. Recently been going I, I've on. not watched the videos, but I've seen all the pictures. Yeah. Um, so I I I started. I watched a couple of the videos, and um, I followed the the guy who built that. Um, and I forget his name, but he goes by RR Builders or something mm-hmm. like that. It's shocking how much I'm watching that. I'm missing working out in shit weather. <laughs> building like the opportunity to go do that for a week sounds like the coolest thing to do right now and it's purely because it's you know it's just being d- displayed on, on social media but um and it's not just that but that particularly really like kind of i'm i'm way too interested in in post framing a building at this point <laughs> because and and but the way they're doing it is it is really good um, if um if you have any disposable money for a post frame building right now um my dad has an old one that was taken apart somewhere upstate and is stacked in his yard that he was going to erect in his yard and now is not going to i'm mm. sure he'd sell it for a song yeah sell it for a song and a fifteen hour uh truck ride well for 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 a timber frame building like disassembled in a pile that you could just take with you know it's hundred year old timbers it's an old upstate barn mm. um it doesn't have any sheathing it's just the framing but right still i think that's worth a drive to upstate new york yeah what if i drove there and took it back and just made a workbench out of the timbers <laughs> that'd be sacrilegious no but i think you'd overpay for workbench lumber and probably. I think you'd probably have a little left over. <laughs> Just a little bit. But no, I it's it's um I'm a I'm a a content voyeur. Um 
I uh, and and it's it's shocking how how woodworking related my YouTube subscriptions are, my Instagram follows are that. Wait, wait, why is that, that shocking? Like, it's I guess it's not. That's it's, all you know, of my YouTube subscriptions. It's yeah, all actually, of my you Instagram. might be worse than me because I do have other interests. But um, Twitter, um, I've expanded into a couple of things outside of woodworking, but it's still the majority of my Twitter. Like, it's it is social media as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. But there, not a day goes by that I don't, I don't, I don't see something. I go, oh, and I, I want to know a little bit more about that. I mean, guys, guys like, you know, between Daresta and um, Matthias, uh, Matthias Wendell, Wendell, yeah, and Cremona, um, you know, all those guys, and it all started back with like Matt's Basin Workshop and Mark with his his early video stuff, and um, I mean it's. It's a good time. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's it's awesome that we've got this because, you know, um, oh, what was it the other day? My one of my sons was complaining about studying for something, and we had to tell him like, you have it so easy. If you if you don't understand that one process, you can just look it up on the internet. <laughs> Do you understand what? It, and so like, and you know. We didn't get that when we were kids. Now this thing is like amazing. The, the, everybody growing up now are, aren't going to know any different, but it's uh, it's awesome. Well said. We should probably uh, have a toast to that. I here here. Hold on. I've got a big a big bomber and a glass, so it can go like that. Yeah. Much much better tone out of yours. Yeah, it's like a half full glass right now, so it's got a good resonant. Uh, tone to it. Um, I, hey, why not talk about that? What are you drinking? Uh, well, my my fortnightly beer choice, yeah, is uh, an Allagash that I have not yet tried. Um, that that goes along with any Allagash for me. Well, yes, we'll have to get you some. Yeah. Um, this is the Allagash James Bean. <laughs> it is an ale aged in bourbon barrels with cold brewed coffee. I was a head of coffee. All right. Um, and it is a bourbon barrel aged Belgian style golden ale infused with cold brewed coffee. And it's it's interesting. Um, I like it. It's right on the edge. It's I've I've steered away. My taste has, has veered away from bourbon barrel aged beer. Mm-hmm. I find it adds a bite that I don't like in the beer. Yeah, what um, what I get, uh, I, I guess on the heavy ones, I notice the alcohol air on the first like whiff. Yeah, on those that I don't like. I there, I had one the other day. It was like, oh, yeah, like, um, like that's bourbon. That's my, flat out bourbon. My brother in law got me some Kentucky bourbon stout, mm-hmm. uh, and I had one. He got me two, and I had one. I I can't bring myself to drink the second one. Oh um, man, it's just it's a little too much bite, and this is this is ten point four percent, so this is not for little kids. Oh my gosh, no! Um, but it's got like you taste it; it's right on the edge of being too boozy, but it's it it recovers from it, and it's got a little bit of a sweetness and the coffee flavor. Yeah, how's the coffee and in it? It's it's subtle. I mean, it, for a coffee, coffee is not the first thing I would add to a beer, but in the mm-hmm. in the realm of coffee beers I've had, um, I'd say it's the second best coffee beer I've had. And it, you know, oh. but again, considering how much alcohol it has in it, and considering 
that it's bourbon barrel aged, which should both make it a really like a boozy tasting beer. Um, it's right on the cusp. Like you get this hint of that taste, but it's not, it's not the aftertaste you get left with. It's not overpowering. Um, it has a subtle sweetness to it. There's a hint of vanilla in it. Um, and, and the coffee flavor, you do taste the coffee flavor. Um, where some of the, some of the really strong bourbon barreled ones, you just taste the alcohol. Um, so not, wouldn't be my, my, my favorite, but for what it is, I think they've done it very successfully. You're right. Hmm. Do you remember that one we ha- did? You have that one in Iowa, that was straight up infused through coffee on the tap. Oh, I don't know if I did. It was a stout, and that was good because it, it wasn't cold brew coffee. It was straight up coffee beans. Hmm. That it was like in that little chamber. That yeah, it, that's like it, the way. That's the way a lot of the uh, dogfish heads do it with the yeah. hops. Yeah, that's a it's a that's good. I I I don't always love the the coffee additions because sometimes it seems like it's cheap coffee flavor and not mm. doesn't give like the characteristics of coffee. Like like with with that like you know, a sweet and bitter could kind of cross each other off a little bit and you get a a good mellow, you know, play there, but um I don't know if you get it by you, but Saranek is an upstate brewery. Mm-hmm. I see some of it. They have a, they have a coffee brew that okay. is is good. Um, mm. It's 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 mellow. It's a very we drank a lot of it like two summers ago. Um, it's a good summer beer. I forget okay. what they call it. It's a blue can. Um, it's they have a they have a good a good coffee beer. Hmm. Well, I'll have to I'll have to keep my eyes out for it. And now on to, on to something I'm pretty sure you can't get, um, and it's it's this lovely sounding cling <laughs> uh, that I've got. Um, that's more of the glass than the bottle, but um, this is a Three Floyds brew that I got a uh, a big bomber of. And because it's this time of year, Christmas is all over. I don't know if you noticed in your beer store. Uh, um, there's still pumpkin crap in my beer stores. Yeah, no, we went full on Christmas. Um, this was two weeks ago. The Great Lakes Christmas Ale came out, which is a, a Cleveland brewery, so it's kind of local to us. Um, mind you, this was two weeks before Thanksgiving, and he told me he had already sold 30 cases of it. And it is straight up, it is a Christmas ale. Like, wow. by name, by spices, it's, but like, it's, everything's kind of, anyway. Um, so this is uh, Three Floyd's Alpha Klaus. Alpha Claus, it's K-L-A-U-S. I don't know if you say that, Klaus or Claus. Um, right, it's a it's a Christmas porter, which it's not like it's not like all ginger and and cinnamon spiced like some of those Christmas brews can do, but um, it's a nice dark porter, which I don't have a whole lot of, but um, unfortunately, you probably don't get those. So if you ever see Three Floyds, I'd say pick up anything. Because it's all pretty good. Um, that's as soon as they get out of middle northern Indiana. Because <laughs> it's it's just coming to us this just recently. Right. Well, there you go. Cheers to Thanksgiving. Yes. To being thankful. To woodworking. To woodworking. And uh, are you opening another one? No, that was me gulping. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. And with that sound, 
<laughs> That'll wrap up this yeah, episode. <laughs> if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play Music. Uh, just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. Uh, there you'll be able to n- never miss another one of our exciting episodes. While you're there, leave us a review. Thank you for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association. If you like the show, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow, follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You can like the MWA on Facebook or follow the MWA on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. Um, and the best thing you do is tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion. Mm-hmm. And I am uh, Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop. I'm at Sean W78 on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, I'm Sean Wisniewski on the Facebooks. I am Diami Plotke. I am at Diami Plotke on the Twitter, and I am at thewoodwhisperer.com. <laughs> so, uh, with that, grab yourself um, a cut sole bit, bit. They're my favorites. And chuck it in a die grinder or a Fordham or something that spins really, really fast. And power car something. Please, go do it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, thank you.